listen to the food talk show hi there my name is sue nelson i got caught out there sorry i wasn't concentrating i'm not supposed to say the first bit um and for the next half hour or so uh we're going to be talking all things food and drink i'm joined by my fellow presenter ollie lloyd who is head of client and food at hearst publications who do like good no, what do you do? Good housekeeping do do? magazine. Good housekeeping, um, Esquire, Men's Health. Yeah, Men's all those Health, things. As well. um, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm Obviously, good. you're founder of Great British Chefs, but that goes without saying. And Holly Shackleton, who is editor of Speciality Food Magazine. Hello. How are you doing? Hi, good. How are you? Excellent, excellent. Um, I'm joined by three lovely guests who I'm going to introduce properly later. I've got Richard, Fran and Jess with me. But before I do, I've got a little challenge for my mm. presenters I was oh, it just us? I was hoping it was all of okay, us. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe all of us. We then. can open it up. It might not be open to Richard because he might have a bit of insider information. Yeah. No but look, we'll no see. No looking over Sue's shoulder. All right. No, 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 no I saw peeking. That. I saw that. <laughs> no peeking. So, um, I've got um the uh, sort of research here from um up to September 2019, which is the latest research we have, um, and it's uh. Top-selling brands in pubs and bars, according to CGA, for the 12 months to September 2019. Yeah. You. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to see how, how good you are at this. So, so pubs what and do restaurants. you think, yeah, yep. restaurants, bars, what do you think uh, are, the, are the best-selling spirits by brand? Best-selling spirits by brand. So it's... Ollie. Smirnoff has to be up there. Yeah, definitely Smirnoff. And Bacardi yes. be up there. I wonder if Whitley Neal would be edging their way up now. Ooh. Might they? Who no, I was going to go. I was going with Gordon's would be up there, and I'd also Hendrix. say no. They would be way, way down. Gordon's really? Would be, Gordon's Gordon. Well, I mean, I'd put Gordon's higher than Hendrix. Okay. Um, so spirits, number one brand spirits. Smirnoff. Spot on. Apparently, it's measured by nine litre cases. Wow. I suppose that's twelve bottles in a case. That's an evening, probably. Yeah. Um, over a million cases sold wow. in a year Smirnoff Red Smirnoff Red top selling classic second best selling spirit after Smirnoff any thoughts Bacardi no I still think Hendrix Gordon's Gordon's, Gordon's yeah. so interestingly Gordon's uh, used to be way up there uh, now it's split Gordon's pink gin actually outsells Gordon's normal gin really that's astonishing I that think. is astonishing um, yeah, 380,000 nine-litre cases. Wow, there's a big gap, though, between Smirnoff Yeah, it's less than half. Very, yeah. Gordon's Pink yeah. Gin. Gordon's Normal, 309,000 wow. cases. So, Gordon's Pink Gin, oh, I find That's that astonishing, yeah. It, it, you know, 185% increase in Gordon's Pink Gin. So, between those two, Gordon's Pink Gin and Gordon's, 689,000 nine-litre cases. So, way behind Smirnoff Red. Yeah, way behind. Yeah, next one. This is, I couldn't believe this, because for me, it's the most disgusting drink on the planet. Bailey's. No. Oh, the pineapple one. No. Nope. Oh, that's interesting. What is Sue's most disgusting oh, drink on the I planet? I can't believe anybody drinks it. It's worse than Benelin, I think. Ja- Jägermeister. Oh, it's wow. delicious. It's not. Mm. It's horrible. <laughs> but that's so interesting, because you'll find, if you did a segmentation based on consumers, yeah. 
Like that is clearly being driven by, you know, an older 65 year old party. No, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Jägermeister. Just, just well, Behind I, Smirnoff well, and think, Gordon's. But when people when did have. you last have a Jägermeister? Oh, when I was like 22 or something. So last week. Oh, it's but last delicious. year. Yeah, last. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but what I would say with that is that when people have it, they, they go a bit a overboard and they have a lot of it. It's <laughs> a good point. So there's probably just one occasion on point. everyone's night out. They drink a whole litre. When they just, it gets to mm. Jägermeister o'clock. So when did you last have Jägermeister? Oh. Last night. No, about six, seven years ago. I think I think we should bring awful. some Jägermeister in to try it. No, Can we? Yeah, yeah. I genuinely think it's really, because yeah, it's nice and spiced, isn't it? Let's try it. We're going to try it. We'll try it later on. Behind that, Captain's Morgan Spiced, just behind Jägermeister. Oh, that's cool. I should have forgot. Yeah. yeah. Then Jack Daniels, then Famous Grout. Grouse, then Bacardi. Okay, Bacardi's way down. Yeah. Behind Bacardi, Courvoisier and Bailey's. Wouldn't have said that either. Interesting. Mm. So Courvoisier got... is interesting. I just don't know how you drink that. You see, that's I love that. How, but what, you how do you drink it? On a night out? On its own. Just straight? Yeah. Ice? No. You have ice in whiskey, actually. I don't have ice in brandy. Weird. Hmm. So, biggest selling, let me have a look. Uh, no or low alcohol beer. Heineken. Nope. Peroni. Bex Blue. Heineken second. San Miguel zero. Third. Erdinger fourth. Bavaria fifth. Never heard of any of those. The um, the quantities of those are astonishingly low. Are they? Mm. Yeah, because you know we keep saying that you know a third of the population doesn't now drink alcohol, and we do think there should be some great no or low alcohol choices. Um. It's just not happening, really, according to these figures, which is not. Oh, but it does. Also, but it's but not what does, we're picking up on the program. But, that, but that, is, that is that is people choosing to not drink alcohol and therefore choosing to meet that need with a low alcohol beer. Yeah, you I could so, yeah. as easily go with. Uh, there are lots of things that would fall into that moment that aren't a beer. Yeah. But but it is interesting. Yeah. So um, what about the best-selling lagers? You know, sort of. Um, I mean, I find this incredibly depressing myself. So Heineken, Stella, I'm trying to think of the big ones, Foster's. I'm going to say Peroni again. Peroni is a good one. I mean, Asahi, that's much smaller. Um, who am I missing? Carling. Cobra. Carling. Cobra. What else is there? Guinness? Guinness, yeah. That's not a lager. Oh, no, sorry. I'll take it back. Yeah, all of those. Massive, though. Still massive Are we missing sales. anything? And uh, Foster's, you've got, haven't yeah. you? No, they're all in there. Foster. Huge sales, though. When, when did you last have a Foster's? Never. Hang on, what about that classic one? I, I'd rather have a Carlson Wayne 4X. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that really was a classic. That. Is that no longer sold? You know, look at that. I don't that, know that. That look. Utter confusion. Utter confusion. There was an advert, which is basically an Australian, I can't do the accent, saying, I'd rather have a Carlson Wayne 4X. It was, yes. Yeah, it was terrible. Craft beer? Top of the top of the list. Brewdog. Yes, yeah. Brewdog, Brewdog yeah. Punk IPA. Uh, but only 66,000 um, hectolitres. But, uh, so what was um, what was Foster's? I uh, can't find a piece of paper yet. Carry on. I'll tell you in a minute. Yeah. Uh, then Camden Hells Lager yeah. and then Camden Town Pale Ale. So Camden doing very well. Sponsors of Arsenal nowadays. Masters, ship, Marston's Shipyard after that. Really? And Tonic Waters. Schweppes. Fe Schweppes or Fever Tree. It's Fever Tree top. What do you reckon? It's probably still Schweppes. I'd Fe rather it wasn't. But. Fever, free, fever tree tonic, 138,000 hectolitres, which is about two-thirds of a barrel, you know, of beer. It's massive. Okay. 138,000. Schweppes tonic, 89,000. Wow, that's big. Oh, that is oh. hugely... 
I mean, fever tree are up 26% in the year. Uh, Schweppes haven't moved. Fever tree, naturally light tonic water um, is more than Schweppes slimline tonic as well. Wow. They're really, really... They have a wide range though, don't they, I suppose? They do. Which will help. But yeah. I think they're known for their tonic water. That's where the yeah. volume is still. But when did they start? Because it must uh, have been Schweppes, like for all of the 80s and 90s. Must have been. Um, and then finally, soft drinks. Coke. Coke. <laughs> yeah, that makes me depressed. Coca-Cola followed by Diet Coke. Then it's Pepsi Max followed by R. Whites. I didn't even know they still existed. R. lemonade. I didn't know they even still existed, R. Whites. Then Schweppes lemonade. <laughs> Then Pepsi, then Diet Pepsi. Pepsi's oh, Pepsi Max is after Diet Coke, um, but but Coca Cola way way up there. Yeah, still a massive brand, even though you've got lots of different um, choices. But yeah, don't you think that's interesting? Um, uh, before before I go on to our lovely guest, top selling cider. Uh, record no. What's that like? Copperberg. Strong, strong easily. I got I got a hint from my guest over there. Mm. <laughs> he gave me the, the the universal symbol for bows. <laughs> right, I found my I found my piece of paper with the lager thing on. Carlings is the top, two point nine million hectolitres, followed by Foster's one point eight million. So two point nine plays sixty something, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh my god. That's word. what I'm saying. And we were saying that that, that you know, Larkabit But this is nowhere near. But, but this this for me is one of the things that I just think we you know, and again, I'm going to blame. So Bex, a, I'm going to blame. Bex a, blue twenty thousand five hundred, Carling two point nine million. This, this is the, this is the London bubble, right? Which is an, an, and the foodie bubble, which is that we often talk about things that are big, and the only thing that really is big is is fever tree. Actually, of all the things we've looked at, you know, because this, the main lagers that are still sold are still the big old fashioned lagers that have been around forever. And, you know, we all might talk and the media might talk about the sort of the brew dogs and all the kind of, you know, the whole news of them floating and all the rest of that kind of stuff. But actually, it's still the big boys who are who are kind of winning, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, it's only Fever Tree and Brew Dog that are new entries. But that Brew Dog of 68 yeah. versus yeah. 2.9 million is just astounding. That's what I'm saying. And it's not what I, it's really, really not what I expected in these, these um, figures at all. I mean, but in it, terms of cask, you know, a bitter. You know, uh, Doombar is is the leading one, and that's only like, two two hundred thirty seven thousand. I like Doombar. You do? Yeah, I yeah, do. I like it too. But but you know, um, Peroni seven hundred seventy six thousand, Stella seven hundred sixteen thousand. But this this is interesting. I'm interested to hear when we talk to our guests in a second. Yeah. Is that actually this is this is the stranglehold? It's huge stranglehold. That 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 these big businesses can hold, and. If you're a bar and you look at those figures, what are you going to stock? But if you, hard, but it, it depends on where you are a bar. If you're a bar in King's Cross, where we record this, you're going to stock a completely different set of things mm. than if you're in Newcastle or if you're in Cornwall, where you would stock a different set of beers. I mean, so it is, it's very regionally and demographic specific. Well, it I'm, is, but 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 the numbers at, the numbers, numbers are telling. Numbers don't lie. Very very telling. Yeah. In um in Ipswich, we have a small bar which is known for its kind of good spirits, good quality, smaller scale stuff and beer as well. Something they've started in literally past couple of weeks is any really, really small scale craft beers, they have a fridge out the back and they can sell them, sell you a can to take away. Hmm. So it's kind of trying out a different format. So they're a really popular bar, always absolutely round, but trying something new in order to, and they're already attracting the kind of 
the craft drinkers mm. and, you know, adding a level to that. So even the smaller scale, you know, they're attracted to them as well. Mm. It's quite interesting. So, so we're joined by um, Richard Chamberlain of Drink Warehouse. Hi, Richard. Hi. Um, can you just explain what uh, Drink Warehouse does? I mean, I, I actually know you very well because you're based in Kent and so am I. But... Yeah, we supply pubs, clubs, restaurants with all their drink needs, basically anything they need uh, for setting the bar, which and, is our catchphrase. Yeah, so so you would supply them with, you know, Carlsberg and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. What's, so, your, what's your take on these figures? Yeah, there's is that a, what you find? A couple of interesting points there. Peroni, for example, um, I know it's Holly thought that was going to be right up the top there but someone like Asahi when it comes to their brand Peroni they'll actually be choosy about who they allow to sell it really so, so yeah. they might res- you're saying they restrict it absolutely and Heineken have some of their brands Heineken own Foster's and Foster's can pretty well go in anywhere yeah they're very proud of the brand but mm. uh, it's one that can they can pick up anywhere whereas um, Beer Moretti they'll be a little bit more selective about what venue they allow that to be sold in so and the oh, point no. you made about the zero, yeah. uh, low or no, um, the fastest growing sector in the beer market at the moment, actually. So that's a big plus. But um, good little tip for people that do sell zero alcohol is put it in with the soft drinks, not in the beer cabinets. Yeah, absolutely. Because so, people that are driving, they're looking in their window shopping in the soft drink cabinet, not the beer cabinet. So mm. that will push sales up. That yeah. push the volumes up. Good top tip there. Mm. What about the spirits world? What, what are you seeing there as trends? Gin, gin, gin all the way, isn't it, is it? really? Yeah. Um, I mean, as you said, smelling off vodka still right up there. Um, but is that because there's not a, you know, there's not such a competition in terms of, of, of the vodka brands? I think uh, people are just enjoying the gin thing more, aren't they? Yeah. There's there's a lot of um, small out uh, distillers now, obviously, that are producing still very, very trendy. Same with wine, with Prosecco. You know, people are saying that's going to go away, but it's still there right up the top. It's selling more Prosecco than any other wine. So, mm. yeah. And what about the tonic world? I mean, I mean, really, Fever Tree have come from nowhere, haven't they, Ollie? 17 years, say. though. It's a 17-year yeah, 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 battle. But... I mean, that's a big old chunk of time. Yeah, mm. yeah very well-marketed product and, and quality. They've held on to quality, and that's what pushes businesses on, isn't it? You can you can come in on gimmick, but ultimately quality has to, has to win throughout, doesn't it? So, hmm. Hmm. And the soft drinks, I find a little bit um, disappointing. Well, I suppose it's it's, it's the same as the beer. It's, it's the same story as the beer. Yeah, it's no Coke, different. Coke no Pepsi, different. Nothing else really. Oh, I didn't tell you about J two O. I sort of like sevenths or something. Hmm. That makes me more depressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but J two O. I thought we'd managed to get rid of them, but no, still there. But again, it's the difference. But it's the difference. Schweppes. I'm not sure the brand owner that is, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, I mean, there's lots of different juices in there out there these days. But um, most people uh, like craft beer, a little bit more expensive. Some of the better juices that are available on the market now, you have to pay a bit more for. And although that's um, good for the discerning outlets, um, at the end of the day, everybody goes to the nightclub and they don't know what they're drinking. Or (laughs) well, no, we're supposed to do some very good products. They Mm. you get Fever Tree Tonic in there as well. So, um, but uh, that said. Um, they don't really give the rest of the people a chance. So they're right. small pubs it's such a light with their buying power. makes it very difficult for the smaller outlets yeah. to compete. But. So if you're opening a bar, uh, um, you know, and it, you're new, um, mm-hmm. taking Holly's point, is it that you should be really looking at reflecting your local base, your local consumers, and maybe some, some you know, something to do with, you know, the the 
community you're in and, and where you find yourself. Yeah, definitely. Um, or should you be just going out for the ones that you know are going to sell really well? Or is it a combination yeah. of two? It's a brave person that changes the, the face of an of a outlet. Very brave indeed, but um, I've plugged a company a bit here. One, something that we do, we have um, a higher concentration of account managers than any other wholesaler out there. So that means we can really work closely with our partners to Advise find them. out what works best. And yeah. our company embraced technology. So if you were to buy 10 bottles of gin off us, um, we would know exactly when you run out by your reordering yeah. patterns. And at the end of every quarter, we'd be able to monitor your volumes on every product and tell you what's working for and you. And that data is. Yeah, is invaluable. Yeah, yeah. As long as you respond to it quickly, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And our, our key account managers, they'll only have a couple of hundred accounts to juggle with. So it's mm. not like they're, they've got yeah. thousands of people to look after. So it's a very personal service that they can mm. offer. And that helps keep wastage down, which... It's a pretty tough world to be in, I think, um, bars and Very much pubs. so. Hardest working people in the world. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, hard to any, disagree but, with that. But any, any of the service industries, restaurants and, and mm. pubs, it's 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 brutal. And I think also that there's been such a change yeah. from, you know, drink driving rules and all the rest of that kind of stuff, and also, you know, more of a focus on health. Definitely. It's, it's changing the landscape. Mm. So, Richard, I would like your opinion then. I, I'm joined here by Fran Pierce of Pollen. Hi. Hi, Fran. Hello. Um, and Fran, Fran um, has sort of morphed, um, <laughs> I think that's the word I'm looking for, um, along with, um, oh, I've got a name, um, Mel. Emily Goldsmith. Mel Goldsmith, yeah, who we know quite well, um, uh, from Smith & Sinclair, mm -hmm. who used to make those fabulous alcoholic jellies and... We still do. And you still do, of yeah. course. Um, but one of the things that you're, you're, you're doing, really, is... is um, Looking at CBD, yeah, drink drops and gummies and things like that. So, just originally, um, when we were uh, obviously looking at Smith and Sinclair, um, you you do things like yeah, edible alcoholic cocktails, uh, edible cocktail dust, yes, cocktail sherbet dippers, <laughs> and uh, pear and edible cocktail spray. So, for example, Ollie, if you were to spray the edible pear. And vanilla spray on your arm. I could lick it off. You could. What a, what, 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 what a Would you want to? <laughs> what a thought. I don't know. Yeah. They do. They do. So, so um, I think. Do you Mel use those regularly? It's just the research the I got. Oh my what god! In Kent, it's like you know. Yeah. Well, there's not a lot going on. We have to keep ourselves well, entertained. Exactly. But, but I think that I think Mel was very clear when she set the company up. Is is about experiences, wasn't it? Yeah. And being in nightclubs and and not just drinking stuff, but actually, you know. You know, putting alcohol into quite, quite fun stuff because her background was in experiential marketing, um, and I think that came across quite well. I just, um, I didn't know they did pear and vanilla edible cocktail spray, but what you can do is, is spray it into your cocktail, of course. Basically, it <laughs> works as an edible garnish. So obviously, eighty percent of what you taste is based on what you smell. So if you spritz the rim of a glass, automatically you kind of create a garnish from it. Um, so I think, as you were saying, what we've built our entire Smith and Sinclair business on is kind of quite bonkers cocktail confectionery innovation. So looking at how we can take kind of more classic products like a garnish, which might be a lemon or a lime, and then how you can turn that into a fragrance, which is spritzed on a glass, which you see in a lot of high-end kind of mixologists would do. That. That kind of the alchemist etc those bars where experience is as much of having the cocktail as actually then drinking it um as to turning a classic like a sherbet dipper and making it boozy so we're always looking at products that kind of exist um and thinking how we can innovate and kind of yeah. uh, turn them on their head so so we have had the old um gin and 
gin and tonic. Do you remember those pastels? Do you remember mm, those? Yeah. Yeah. About six of those and you can't drive. Well, actually, yeah. Less than that. Five. Five. Busy. Yeah, um, your face, you can't even... You, we are on radio, Ollie, so you I have know, to actually know, say something. But your face in terms of the spray, you weren't, you weren't impressed. I'm not convinced by the spray. I mean, look, <laughs> but look the, whole point, the, whole, but the whole point of this game, isn't it, is, is, is fun. Yeah. And, you know, look, is, is, you know, as everyone knows, the experience economy is massive and people are looking for fun and innovative ways to do things. Hmm. I think what's interesting is there has been far less innovation in the world of drinks than there has in the world of food. Totally. And oh, so it's, it's really exciting mm. that there is mm. there is stuff. So 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 now now what we've done is set up this separate sort of offshoot, really. Yeah. And and we uh, we got we had a whole program uh, a few weeks ago on CBD. So we, so we went into huge detail in that program about what CBD is and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. So I don't, I, I don't sort of really want to go through that again if, if you want to know about cbd just just look at our previous podcast and yeah, we, we, we go into some detail yeah. about what it is um but in terms of of um putting cbd into alcoholic drinks this really hasn't happened much at all and it's really new isn't it? Um, it it is new and i think actually it was really interesting when you were talking about the no alcohol like low alcohol beer brands what we found in 2019 is there's actually kind of five new trends that are really taking over kind of the no and low industry um so the first one is about creating beers with taste because like you said currently the market is really skewed to brands that like Bex, which don't probably really deliver on the same taste that you might get from a craft product um creating draft um no and low products because they don't exist um moving into dark spirits because obviously most of your brands that you see doing no and low like seedlip etc are white lighter spirits um and also the dining experience so where kombucha and other brands like that can kind of really come in because most people associate sitting down for dinner with a glass of wine and the first the fifth trend that's coming through is kind of functional drinks and that's kind of where cbd comes in so cbd is coming in being used as a mixer or an added ingredient both in no and low and also in alcohol and what we're seeing is that um Everybody's quite curious about it. Um, there's now around kind of a quarter of a million people using CBD, so it's kind of doubled year on year. So yep. the appetite's there. And, and CBD, of course, um, is, is, you know, it's not... Uh, um sort of addictive or anything like that exactly. as, as, and you know and you know it's not hallucinogenic or anything totally. like that and it's but important. it's got some amazing health benefits Absolutely. pretty difficult to prove at the moment but but the world health organization and others are are you know it's very exciting some of the health benefits that are coming across totally so, again if you want to actually understand it properly you know um, go on our podcast which which tells the whole thing but that's what we're saying about functional you know yes, this is exactly. essentially uh, uh, something that will will you know calm you down you know, give, a lot of people use it because they can't sleep very well and yeah. things like that. And what you're seeing, what you think should be doing is is, is going into the drinks um, sector. Yeah, I think what, what we're actually seeing, the trend is, is that CBD is being used both in alcoholic and non-alcoholic because obviously of the wellness properties within it. It's just really, I think it's really important to be clear that obviously this doesn't work like THC, so it's not recreational. So obviously when people think of like cannabis and kind of THC and putting that into a drink, that would com- deliver a completely different yeah, and also feeling. It's illegal in the UK in the Exactly, anyway, so. exactly, to um, obviously sort of uh, working with CBD. So what we're finding is there's bars popping up in Manchester. Um, that are actually, there's the first CBD bar where they actually sell non-alcoholic and alcoholic um, beverages. And you're starting to see it creep into menus across the UK because I think kind of bars are aware they need to offer a different option. There are wellness benefits associated with it. And like you said, it's probably easiest to look at the old yeah. podcast that you did because it's but very Fran, hard to quantify that. Sure, but Fran, the, 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 you know what I don't understand is you know there are health benefits and therefore you know putting 
uh, CBD into non-alcoholic drinks makes sense to me because when we had our other guests on in terms of CBD, they were saying that, that some people are doing that to get a, a different type of feeling that you might say is associated with alcohol. You know, it makes you relaxed, does all sorts of stuff. Don't I really don't get the point of having CBD in an alcoholic drink. I just It doesn't make any sense to me at all, really. Yeah, and it isn't something that necessarily at Pollen that we advocate because... Because it's, because it's sort of, it's countering... I think what, because, you know I, mean? I think the issue is obviously you can never really kind of market an alcoholic product as being um, good for you in any way, whereas obviously mm. knowing low has got connotations of obviously a lot more wellness. I think some people are putting the two together and that's absolutely fine because I think that's also consumer's choice and they're still enjoying an alcoholic beverage. They want to include it but actually I think where people are really seeing the benefits is kind of including it into a non-alcoholic drink and actually potentially getting some of the calming or relaxation benefits associated with CBD because I guess when most people think about having an alcoholic beverage it's because they want to have it to unwind it's a relaxing Mm. mechanism which is why I think the CBD in non-alcoholic is actually could be quite exciting because one of the reasons why I drink it's a terrible thing to say sometimes is it's like Oh, it's just a bit of a relief and it just brings me down a little bit and makes me relax. Well, if I could get that from CBD as opposed to alcohol, I'd find that quite an attractive proposition, frankly. Wouldn't you, Ollie? And it's, well, we it, talk about the transition yeah, yeah. sometimes, don't we? We do, we do, we do. I, I, I think I think it's really interesting. And I think it is also CBD is, is one of those buzz ingredients mm. that is that people are excited about. We've seen, you know, blueberries were a buzz ingredient many decades ago it feels like did you um well they were you know like you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. various berries and you know turmeric is and there are other ones but but cbd is is a buzz ingredient and i think people are excited by it. i mean the interesting thing is how far it goes because it's obviously gone into food it's mm. picking up the speciality space mm. you know, it, you, you're going to be seeing this richard need to keep tabs on this yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm always yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just um, briefly, uh, because obviously we're, we're running out of time already and I've got loads and loads and loads I want to ask Jess, who's our other guest yet. Yeah. Um, so what are you producing? What, what what have you got as your products? You've got some behind you. Can I you, have. Uh, bring, bring them in front of us. Uh, this this is our um, drink. I, I don't have to so spray it on Ollie and lick it you off, do You do I? not no, have, have to thing. spray this on not Ollie. So basically, um, kind of the whole ethos behind Pollen is that we wanted to create um, CBD products that were effective, but also were really delicious. Because sometimes... Unfortunately, the uh, payback of taking CBD um, so, is so it doesn't always taste. She just absolutely took that back. That's brilliant. Um, <laughs> is it doesn't actually taste so great. So those drink drops, so, so just, just we would normally put did. into water, by the way, Sue. Oh, but sorry. she's just <laughs> necked it straight. Yeah. So this is what's great. Was Sue wasn't even following any instructions. Literally, she just took a pipette of this stuff <laughs> and just and threw just it back. It in. Threw it in her mouth. It was like. I thought I should go hardcore. If you're gonna I don't do blame it. you. So we do um, because, my, because most CBD drops are, are in oil. oil aren't they? Yes, yeah. so you'd normally get an oil which you place at the bottom of your um, oh, under your tongue. tongue. Yeah. It doesn't taste very good. There's a there's always kind of an oily residue and a lot of hemp that's left. And what we want to do is take the innovation from Smith and Sinclair, so making beautiful products that fit into your lifestyle that are fun, and incorporating that ethos into CBD, so that we weren't kind of there was no trade off on the flavour and the experience of what you were having. So we have. I can't three even imagine families. what that. It tasted like raw. It's that not must- too bad actually because I've had it. I've had it. So we do gummies, uh, which are blended with uh, sort of specific flavour profiles. So they're kind of a sophisticated gummy. So they taste delicious. Then we have the drink drops. They also come um, in three different flavours: mixed berry, botanicals, which is the one that you guys are trying now, and also a vanilla drink drop, which works really well in a coffee. Now, actually. Um- what do you reckon in terms of taste? It's definitely got that CBD edge, which is... You can which taste is, it a little bit, for sure. Yeah, which is um, a sort of hemp type of taste, isn't it? 
it's quite metallic. I mean, so I've, mm. I've just in order to, to be with yep. Sue, there's an opportunity <laughs> you can also try I'm Holly the, straight. I'm taking the ladylike approach. Exactly. Yeah. I, um, think I, I, I tried it in water. Yeah, it, it almost tastes a bit like a, a cordial. Yes, yeah. totally. There's like a cordial flavouring to it to yeah. kind of describe it, and. It's quite, I mean, it's quite acidic. It has got that sort of woody edge mm. that you get from It's quite metallic, metallic <clears throat> as well. I mean, it's, so sorry, how am I, I got totally distracted so, during No, no, no. <laughs> so you should probably put the, a two milliliter syrup, which is like two pipettes of that into probably around 250 uh, milliliters of water. So when you would, how you would not normally, squeeze yeah, not squeeze it in. in straight into it. your mouth. Well, I did, it no. will give you a much more enhanced taste, but the flavor profiles have been pulled together. So they're quite grown up, sophisticated flavors. So that's obviously kind of mirrors botanical. It's quite like a Mediterranean tonic mm. to me. Um, then we have a mixed berry one which is a little bit I like the med, med, suddenly Mediterranean is like med, Mediterranean. Mediterranean Mediterranean I'm trying to soothe you <laughs> okay. so just before we go on to Jess uh, just, just tell us about the uh, the gummies um, so we have three yeah, you haven't bought any of those have you no I haven't actually oh. I've got you Smith and Sinclair gummies I'm going to send you some I brought no, no, the drink it's fine, it's fine I know, just quickly sorry, so, so we've got three families power bank soothe you and no pressure each of them are designed to support with lifestyle and your wellness requirements and we uh, have very sophisticated flavours so say in the uh, power bank you have orange and cacao grapefruit and lemon so we work really hard to so, make the so the little bags of sweets almost where, where, yeah, where you so can just get a little 30, a little hint of CBD all day and just have a little 30 calories a sweet 10 milligrams of CBD per sweet so what we would say is probably you want to be taking around 30 milligrams a day. Also, CBD is o only really works best practice if taken over time, which is why it's great that bars are getting into it and it's great that you can go and have a bit of fun with a CBD cocktail, but you won't really get, get a benefit, benefit from it. It's not any medicine, really. You exactly. need to take it over you a period. You need to take it yeah. sort of time and time again. And we provide you with a journal when you get it so you can actually monitor every day how you're feeling because it can be quite subtle, but over time it can mm. really support on lots of different wellness. So those right. are like, yeah, grab them, take them every day. Super easy way to... Enjoy CBD. Brilliant. I'm exhausted after that, Fran. <laughs> um, so, Jess Latchford of Waste Not, you don't even know what to say about that, do you? I mean, I'm just sat here watching it all unravel, really, which is amazing. Well, we just offered and, you and, some and, and you refused. I don't drink <laughs> and I've never touched anything to do with... Um, Marijuana. Yes, in my but, life. So, but, but this is marijuana. Education. But CBD no. is obviously not a. You know, absolutely. let's make this absolutely clear. It's legal yeah. and it's not a. Yeah. Are you saying you want to on air try your first? CBD? I'm not saying that at all, Ollie. Actually, no. That's probably the Come opposite on, of what I'm saying. <laughs> You refused it. <laughs> I noticed Richard refused it from the from the drinks industry. Yeah. I'm a bit disappointed with yeah. that, Richard. I'm driving when I get back. That's why it's not. It's I not know, alcoholic. <laughs> Roll with that excuse. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, do you, so your, your negative, your negative towards it is just what? So. Oh, it's not a negative. I, 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 I'm completely for anything that's within the realms of fun and you know freedom of expression and, and do what you want yeah. and, and healthy health. and yeah. you know like you said the health benefits aren't um proven properly proven yet but everyone knows that mm. they exist so mm. so we're going to do a massive swerve here um not quite sure <laughs> enormous to, swerve enormous swerve um you've it's happened you've, before <laughs> you've bought a box of stuff with you i've bought yeah. a box ollie can you is yeah. there any chance you can just uh, i don't know don't knock anything over it's a massive box there's uh, quite a lot there. of mud in there as well so, yeah. so what have you what have you bought us and why i have Explain. bought Ooh. some vegetables which we would 
uh, which we source from farmers and mm. it would otherwise not have a commercial route to market. Okay, so, so I've got a beautiful, it looks to me like a beautiful cabbage here. Yeah. And cabbage is one of my favourites. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. What is wrong with this cabbage? There's nothing wrong with it. What we deal with, well, some is aesthetic, but most, about 90% of what we sell is surplus. So it's when farmers oh. grow over by a certain volume and they don't have the commercial outlet, we give them that. Beetroot. Mar- root to market. Beetroot, yeah. Oh, those are beautiful. beautiful. But they look absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, rhubarb. Best rhubarb. thing in the world. And, and, yeah. and therefore, so say a, a farmer has a, a particular contract with somebody, whether it's a farm shop or, or, or somebody, and then they have a particularly good year in terms of the weather has particularly suited the beetroot or something mm-hmm. they then get landed with a lot of excess stuff what what would happen to it if yeah. your, you guys didn't come along and rescue it so there's various uh, ways that it will be dealt with so either which is the norm ploughed back into the field because the costs actually are associated mainly with the harvesting okay so once harvested it then they're in the negative almost because it's it's cost them that much to harvest but it's yeah, just left to rot, ploughed back into the field. Um, if it has been harvested and then doesn't have a route to market, it's either sent to landfill, anaerobic digestion, or animal feed. Usually, anywhere that's not bellies. So yeah, we've changed that. Mm. So just explain then what waste not has done. So that's W A S T E, obviously, and then not K N O T. Yeah, so we are waste not K N O T as opposed to. Um, the not yes uh, because we are the link between farmers and chefs so we want to make it easy for chefs to be able to source produce that would otherwise be wasted um my background was in uh, agriculture and farming and then i got into hospitality so um saw the sort of link up that could be made and the uh eagerness by chefs and farmers alike has been astonishing so it's just it just needed doing so you're finding them a market in 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 essence really yeah yeah so we work with big contract caterers um restaurants members clubs and it basically comes down to uh changing the way that people have done things for a so if time. they're a restaurant uh, whatever it doesn't matter what it looks like does it no as, as opposed to you know if you're in a farm shop you it's, you know, you, you might get a certain number of, um, you know, consumers that, that that are happy and they want to buy that sort of thing, but, but it does make it difficult um, sometimes. Whereas whereas if you're a chef, um, it doesn't really, it's about taste, isn't but it? Is, it doesn't is, matter it, what it is like. this about stuff that doesn't meet the criteria? Actually both. It, so it's so both. Actually so it's both. criteria yeah. and also oversupply. Yeah, and we found that people love all the nobles and they embrace them it might be a bit more labor than what they're used to but actually the farms we work with are all red tractor leaf assured um their sustainability credentials are second to none so actually the chefs are finding that the flavor of the produce that we supply them with is better than what they're used to getting as well Mm. so it's like double win um but, but yeah, it's. Uh, but as you were saying, though, there's there's not just the supply of it. It's um, having the manpower and doing all the other stuff in order to to get it to where it should be. And what you're what you're offering, I'm I'm guessing, is that you will then take that and deliver it where it needs to go. So the farm themselves doesn't have to worry about that. Is that how so it we works? have um, the logistics in place where we piggyback off the back of lorries which are already going into markets. Perfect. So they will be already distributing, and then the distributors that we're using will pick up from the vans 
that the lorries are already going into. So we're not putting any more lorries on the road, not contributing carbon footprint-wise. Um, so you're doing the, the last mile or something, yeah, so to speak. Yeah. yeah, and the wholesalers that we're working with, are they just want to be in on it. They're getting customers off the back of what they're offering with Waste Not and... Um, so being able to offer the logistics as well, um, it, yeah, it, it really helps. But I think with the, like you were saying, um, with there having to be the manpower, we all know in the hospitality industry that skills are and retention is, is becoming quite a problem. Mm. Um, and we're finding that giving such raw produce in such a raw state, it's challenging people, it's innovating them and it's giving them sort of a new a new reason to to really explore how mm. to work with the produce. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got some facts here which are astonishing, really. 25% of apples, 20% of onions and 13% of, of potatoes grown in the UK are wasted because they don't look perfect. Um, and uh, fruit and veg have the highest wastage rate of any food type. Mm. I mean, we do hear a lot about bread and other things like that, but but it's stuff not even getting into the shops. Um, but what, we're wasting so much just in the field. But what happens if this stuff is brought into the system? Is it then is, is the outcome that we import less? Is it is it what's so yeah, if you, if you do close this gap? So obviously there's a whole load of stuff being wasted. Mm-hmm. If that now comes into the system, yeah, what happens? It's just it's just a reworking of doing things. So nothing's massively going to change. It's just not going to be the wastage that we see. So instead of a farmer growing 10% over and wasting that much, he's just going to grow the right amount and it will all be taken. So in terms of it being aesthetically imperfect, it's not necessarily the stuff going into kitchens or into farm shops, as you mentioned earlier. It's the big retailers. They're the ones that have the specifications in place. And actually, with all the trials that they've done in in supermarkets where they do their so-called wonky produce, they're really popular. um, And they actually have to pull them because they can't meet the margins on them Mm. because they're giving the farmer a lesser amount than their class one produce. Mm. Well, let's see what happens in our post-Brexit world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it will be interesting to see, interesting actually. To see how it all pans out, really. Yeah, I was with and a farmer on Thursday and he, he was that saying... That we'll be using more of our own stuff. Well, this is week. what... With, I, get a, I got asked a lot about what I think the impact will be on the agricultural industry post-Brexit. And yeah, obviously nobody knows mm. completely, but it, it's an exciting time. Mm. to be in in terms of seasonality and, and an British farming mm. an opportunity well um, what a diverse programme um, sorry to <laughs> fl- flip <laughs> I was trying to link stuff but I gave up in the end really um, so uh, thank you very much to Richard Chamberlain of Drink Warehouse um, and uh, great company um, we know them very well and if you're setting up a bar um, takes a lot of headaches away actually <laughs> uh, and then Fran Pierce of Pollen uh, we need to go and have. We, we're keeping tabs on how that's going in your new venture. Thank you. But um, I think CBD and drinks, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Non-alcoholic drinks. I'm, I'm quite in favour of that. Um, I promise I won't um, drink it neat. <laughs> <laughs> and Jess Latchford of Waste Not. Now, all of these three guests are doing some incredible things. So um, they'll each have a page on our uh, Food Talk website, um, and definitely go and explore more. Uh, particularly Waste Not. If you if you are a farmer or you're in that sector, uh, you should be engaging. And, and making the most of that. So thank you for that, Jess. Um, and if you if you don't know much about CBD, <laughs> listen to one of our podcasts and then, then check out Pollen. <laughs> hmm. 
I think what's interesting is these are three completely different Mm. but great examples of the innovation that's That's happening happening within the food sector. It's very exciting. And that is exciting. Mm, It is. So um, thank you for listening. We're the Food Talk Show. We're syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield as well as being available on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes and the podcast app on your phone. Thank you to my fellow presenters Ollie Lloyd and Holly Shackleton. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. And if you want to recommend any future guests just like Richard Fran or Jess someone doing something groundbreaking in the food sector please get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show and if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts go to foodtalk.co.uk or via Speciality Food Magazine right on the homepage on the website there so I hope you have a good week bye bye 